Our next three speakers will focus on each leg of the stool, physical, emotional, and spiritual. The first of these three speakers is Ella H. from Oakland. Ella will share for 20 minutes on the physical recovery aspect of compulsive overeating. Hi, I'm Ella from Oakland, and I have to say that in some ways, I want to say that um, I really feel like I can't separate any of these aspects, that this morning we were talking about the third step at a step study meeting I had, and someone said that the first place that they understood that they were not in charge and that they had to hand something over to a power greater than themselves was by being willing to make a food plan and by handing that food over. And um, I know it's difficult because we all come here with different experiences. And I came here when I was 40 and that was, oh my God, that was 28 years ago. And it, I had tried everything else. You know, it's not like I hadn't tried the idea of, we had fat liberation, we had, you know, all kinds of things, like that. this is an emotional situation. I had done lots of therapy. I had done lots and lots and lots and lots of spiritual seeking. In fact, some of the worst eating I did was at retreats. So there was nothing out there that could deal with this phenomena of compulsive overeating. And um, while I was obese, that was not my main disturbance. The disturbance was that I was a slave to food and that I couldn't be trusted, that I stole food. I ended up in the Berkeley jail for shoplifting food. I lived in a small town in um, rural Maine where people didn't lock their doors. I went into the houses of these people and I stole food from their refrigerators and their um, freezers. I did not want to be that person. That certainly violated every sense I had of decency and of who I should have been. But I was practicing this addiction. And when Ori spoke and read from um, the doctor's opinion, one of the first things that struck me, because when I came in, we only had the AA literature, and I'm glad that we did, because it spoke in the doctor's opinion that there was something wrong with my body, not just with my mind. In other words, it wasn't just that I needed love, that I was um, emotionally and defective, it, and that I was afraid of intimacy or even worse, the idea that I wanted to be fat. I did not want to be obese. I did not want that. I wanted to keep eating, and that was a symptom. Now, the reason for me it was important when I came in to become abstinent is because that's really why I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I came because I was a slave to food. I knew I was addicted to food from the time I was 20, but there was no knowledge that anybody else treated this like an addiction. And I, <clears throat> I came and I want to say that I did not like my first meeting. In fact, I really didn't like my first meeting. And what happened was I won the big book in a raffle. And if I had not won the big book in a raffle, I probably wouldn't have read it and I wouldn't have come back. 
but I read it and I opened up the doctor's opinion and that it told me that I had an allergy of the body as, and it also told me as Ori read that I was uh, eating because I had a craving, not because I was a lunatic, which I was, but it doesn't matter. Um, so I heard the truth and that was amazing. I heard the truth at a level that I, I like to tell people it, it was like the greatest, it was like, it was a spiritual experience just to read that book and to start reading more about alcoholism and to hear myself in every single, every single word. And, um, you know, I, where, oh, I, never mind. I have the AA um, first step and it, it starts out, you know, who cares to admit def complete defeat and that it's truly awful to admit. And it says glass in hand, but I would, I, I, these were the times when we could write in what we wanted. So I wrote, it is truly awful to admit that bag in hand, I have warped my mind into such an obsession for destructive eating that only an act of providence can remove it from me. And God, you know, complete defeat. And also I was in this program, you know, I've been in the program for what, nearly 28 years. I spent 13 and a half years eating, not eating, eating, not eating, eating, not eating. And as long as I was still eating, it was very, very difficult for me to acquire any other kind of emotional or spiritual healing. And that's my story. I don't think it's everybody else's story. And I really should have a disclaimer that I speak only for myself. A lot of us come in here with many different experiences. Some people come in with more of the physical um, destruction that overeating brings. And I have had to have two knees and two hips replaced. And every orthopedic doctor says, how did someone of your size get such terrible arthritis? And I say, well, let me tell you a story. And um, that actually um, perks people's ears up, you know? I mean, I know that we've said that there's much more to the program and that we need a spiritual and emotional recovery in order to maintain any semblance of physical recovery. But if you wanna do outreach to the medical profession, you want to do outreach to people who come in. If I had come in and I had not heard that people had stopped overeating and that they had maintained a considerable weight loss, I couldn't have stayed. I already knew how to overeat. I knew how to meditate. I knew how to do therapy for 20 years. I'm not saying those things are irrelevant at all, but I knew that. I had to hear that other people ate as I ate and stopped. There was no other message that could have gotten through to me because I was a total intellectual snob. I just, you know, I knew everything except how to stop eating. Um, I don't know, you know, how much more I totally have to say, except one of the things people talk about when we talk about the third step, which is made a decision to turn my life and my will, which I consider 
my actions and my thoughts. But what about my food? Is my food not included in my life? My food is included in my actions. My food is included in my mood, that's for sure. So I must also surrender that. And we have somebody in our East Bay Fellowship who likes to say, I have some good news and bad news. You never have to overeat again. That's the good news. That's the bad news too. You never have to overeat again. And I know I, and maybe a lot of us come in, and we are suffering, 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 and do not want to keep on overeating, but it's very hard to make the connection between being relieved of the compulsion to overeat and not eating certain foods. You know, it just for me had to be that way. And without the help of this program and without sponsors and without working the tools, especially the telephone and without going to meetings and without doing service, I have no hope. And I want to say is I don't really know why, and it's been since 1996, January of 96, that I had my last binge. And I don't know why on that particular day I stopped. I wish I could bottle it up. You know, there's people, I remember going to a workshop at, um, in Los Angeles at the region, and this person said, if you do what I say, you will, you will be abstinent because everybody in the room had experience with relapse. And, and we said to her, well, what if we do what you say and we still keep eating? And then she sort of said, well, then you haven't gotten it. But the thing is, if, if any of us could button this up for you, if any of us could say, just follow this food plan, um, you know, then we really wouldn't need OA. There's no magic bullet. And unfortunately, there's also no higher power that's a fairy godmother. This is very disturbing. There's no higher power that can come into the bakery and, you know, take the donut out of my claw. Um, if perhaps if I'm willing to ask for the willingness not to go in, that's a start. And I'm telling someone I'm sponsoring now who's having some difficulty. And I'm saying, well, okay, call before you buy the donuts. If that's not possible, call while you're buying the donuts. If that's not possible, call while you're eating the donut. If that's not possible, oh, thank you, call after you've eaten the donut. But call. Don't suffer alone. Don't do it alone. Um, also, I think it's important to say that the whole idea of being ashamed, of hating my body, of, you know, we are told early on this is not um, a moral issue. This is an addiction. It's a physical, emotional, and spiritual issue, but it's not an issue that's resolved by shame and blame. If it was, you know, we would have all been here at age four or something like that. But, you know, it, there is no, that's an add-on. That's what I add on. So I always used to say, you know, I may not be able to stop eating, but I can stop beating and I can stop blaming and I can stop shaming. It's not a moral issue. As far as I'm concerned, it's not an aesthetic issue. Like we don't have to hate our bodies. If hating my body had made me stop eating, well, I could have stopped when I was 11. Um, 
And I just know that, I just know that when I'm abstinent, I had a, I had a possibility of discovering who I was. That is the emotional recovery. As long as I was overeating, I didn't know who I was. I didn't have a clue who I was. I had, a, I had an image of myself. I had done tons of therapy. I could tell you a million reasons why I would overeat or why I would do X, Y, and Z, but I really did not know on a level who I was. And to this day, I have to use all the other tools of the program in order to stay in touch with who I am and to get help with healing that part. But as long as I was eating, my problem was food. As long as I was eating, my problem, I couldn't, how could I have a spiritual solution? I couldn't sit still long enough. I, I like to tell the story that I was on a three month silent meditation retreat, literally three months. We were meditating 18 hours a day. For some reason, I got it into my mind that volunteering in the kitchen might not be a bad idea because we all had to do some kind of work and service. Now, you would think uh, somebody who had a compulsion to overeat might, might have an idea that volunteering to help in the kitchen was not a good idea. So for the first three months, I mean, for the first month, I was doing great. You know, I was meditating. I was, you know, eating mindfully. And then I thought by month two that since it was a silent retreat, I could go to the beginning of the meal line, finish my meal, and then I could start all over again. Um, and for sure, nobody was going to say boo to me because it was a silent retreat. So I was eating, you know, two meals. And then I started going down to the kitchen at night, uh, not to do anything, but to eat the food. And I remember having an interview with one of the teachers and she looked at me with utter astonishment as I sat there weeping. And she said, you took a precept not to steal. You took a precept not to take what was not given to you. And how could I possibly have followed that? She did not understand that I could have taken any precept in the world and it would have no weight against this compulsion. So, um, Last night, the speaker spoke and asked, what was I grateful for? What, what were we grateful for? And I want to say that for me, abstinence is freedom. It's the ground on which I walk. It's a form of security. If I ate during this time, if I ate when my mother was dying, I could not have been there. And I'm sure that if I were in my disease at this point, I would say social distance, violence, the hell with you. I have to go get food. And um, I don't have to live like that. And I want to also say that I don't experience abstinence as a deprivation. I experience it as liberation from something that was absolutely destroying me. And, you know, I am not an emotional and spiritual giant by any means. I'm, you know, a human being a deeply flawed and, you know, sometimes useful, sometimes kind and helpful, and other times obnoxious and irritating. And this does not differentiate me from anybody else. But I don't have to overeat over my character defects.
I don't have to use food to hide from who I am. I don't have to use food to deal with the troubles that I experience. So for me, it's liberation. For me also, it's the first time I've really enjoyed food. You know, I want to say to anybody starting out, you know, I don't eat water-packed tuna and carrot sticks. I have three delicious meals every day. Or um, sometimes they're not delicious, but you know, I know another one's coming up. I, I really find that for the first time in my life, I can sincerely, can, can sincerely say I am enjoying eating. I was not enjoying food by the time I got here. It was just miserable because if I think if I'd still been enjoying it, I might never have gotten here. I would have traded obesity and physical pain if I was really getting something out of the food. So I just want to stop here. I want to say that there's a great deal to this program, but for me, I have to have a foundation. It's like I'm building a house and I need a floor before I can have a roof. So that's enough. Thank you very much for having me speak. Thank you so much, Ella.